you know, there's all these stories about, you know, guys over in Macedonia who are running these fake news sites. Number 24 is Content Farms in Macedonia. Vidite ako se napravi greška, tako ki bide kobna, nema vrakinja nazad. So, Europe need to to remain more sexy lady in the world. Ajde, majkata! Gospode, čuva Macedonija in izvinite gregi. On Saturday, October 7, the terrorist group known as Hamas, which, quote, governs, unquote, the Gaza Strip, launched an all-out attack on Israel and the Jewish people. It was the worst attack on Israel in 50 years since the Yom Kippur War, and the greatest single-day loss of life amongst the Jewish people since the Holocaust. Israel has rightly declared war on the Hamas terrorists, and all hell is breaking loose, not only in Israel and the region, but around the world. This will have ramifications for all of us for years to come, if not longer. And Macedonia will be affected by this in ways too numerous to count right now. We'll discuss all of this and more on this episode of the Macedonian Content Farmers Podcast. I'm Jason Miko, coming to you from the foot of the Catalina Mountains in Oro Valley, Arizona. And this is Cvetin Chelimanov in Skopje, Macedonia. Svetin, on Friday the 6th of October, and we're recording this on Thursday the 12th, episode 162, 162 of the Macedonian Content Farmers Podcast, but on Friday, October 6th, I went up into northern Arizona with my brother-in-law and another buddy to do one of our epic, you know, three-day, three two-night backpacking trips and mm-hmm. at the West Clear Creek Wilderness Area, which is a small canyon up in northern Arizona that runs east-west for... I don't know, about 40, 45 miles, 70 kilometers. And uh, and when we got to the edge of the canyon, you know, we lost cell phone coverage, which was nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no internet, no cell phone. Hike down to the bottom of the canyon, Friday afternoon, set up camp, you know. Cooking some meat. Dinner. <laughs> no, actually, my, uh, my, my, brother, my brother-in-law and my buddy are fishermen, and so they went out uh-huh. fishing. They didn't catch anything Friday, but Saturday, you know, had breakfast, they went out fishing, they caught fish, they ate the fish. Uh, but, and then Sunday we, we come back up and, and then we have cell phone coverage and, and internet and found out what was going on. But it, it's, it's kind of amazing to be gone for, you know, 48 hours and have no cell phone coverage or internet coverage. And then to come back up out of the wilderness, so to speak, and find out that all hell has broken loose. Mm. Um, so, uh, we quickly got, uh, I was surprised when my buddy Brian started checking his news and email and started talking about what was going on at that point it was 600 had been killed in israel mm-hmm. uh now it's up to 1200 <clears throat> probably as we record this probably 1500 gazans uh, mm-hmm. as the israeli army pounds positions in gaza where they are the hamas terrorists are, are hiding weapons um they hide them in mosques and schools and hospitals because that's what they do they're terrorists I mean, it's much mm-hmm. like and again, this is the Macedonian Content Farmers podcast, and we'll talk about ramifications for Macedonia. But much as the uh, you know the so-called NLA Al Ahmeti and his terrorists did in 2001, you know, taking off uniforms, blending in with the civilian population, all of these all of these tactics, um, which terrorists around the world have always used for all time. Um, you know, we're we're really to begin on this, um, Hamas. You know has to be wiped off the face of the earth. For our listeners that, that don't know or haven't already 
jumped on the interwebs to find mm-hmm. out more. Um, you know, Hamas is, I think it was created in 87 or 88. It's an offshoot of the Muslim Brotherhood in Egypt. And uh, they had elections in the Gaza Strip in 2006, and Hamas won, and there have been no elections since then. Uh, yeah. And they're a, they're, they are regarded as a terrorist organization by the Israeli government, the United States government, probably most of the European Union, if not all states. Uh, and others around the world, they are probably not designated as terrorists by, you know, obviously not not by Iran, Syria, you know, North Korea, the rogue state, China, the rogue states of this world. Uh, but they are a terrorist organization. Uh, I think it's important to point out that, you know, as even you see this war going on there, um, Israel is hitting back with. Uh, bombings and, and softening up the positions and preparing for the ground war, which is, that's where this thing is really going to take off. Mm. They've, they've called up 360,000 reservists. They're, they're, they're going to send 300,000 reservists into the Gaza Strip, is my understanding, uh, and go, it's going to be hand-to-hand fighting, and it's going to be messy and ugly. There's 100 to 150 hostages in Gaza that Hamas took in. Uh, they're going to be murdered one by one, uh, and Hamas is going to put it on social media, film it. Uh, there's going to be Americans that are killed, uh, beheaded probably on TV. Um, and, and that's where this is going to get really, really ugly. The question is, what is, you know, what is Iran? Of course, Iran has, has been funding this and, and planning this, you know, for, for two years, supporting Hamas uh, uh, and Hezbollah as well in the north in Syria, uh, in Lebanon. Um, and, um, you know, I what, never what understood is... how Iran got involved with uh, the Palestinians because they're Sunni, these are Shia. I can understand them attacking from the north, from Lebanon, but you know, I always thought, for, I haven't been following this very closely. I used to do world news, so I knew a lot about uh, Hamas, and I thought that they are close to Turkey, they are part of the, they were close to mm-hmm. Egypt when Egypt was led by the Muslim Brotherhood. But you know, this is really. Uh, interesting how everybody's tying it immediately to Iran, and yeah, I guess uh, they were looking for a sponsor in some way. Yes, well, and I think the interesting so the uh, Ayatollah Khamenei, uh, the supreme leader of Iran, had a phone call with uh, MBS Mohammed uh, bin Sult Mohammed bin Salman, the mm-hmm. basically the the crown prince of uh, yep. of Saudi Arabia. Now, you know, be, prior to this, there was. Israel and Saudi Arabia, which is, is you know, the, the largest of the Sunni states in the world um, and, you know, the, the heavy in the region, and, and Iran being is the heavy on the Shia side, as you say, they were moving towards rapprochement um, uh, as, as, you know, under Trump, there were a couple of, of Arab states that, that made peace with Israel. And, of course, the big one was Saudi Arabia. Now, yesterday or the day before, I think it was, the, the MBS and Khamenei, Ayatollah Khamenei had a mm-hmm. phone call. There is talk now of the two of them actually putting aside their differences, Shia Sunni, and, you know, uniting on behalf of the quote-unquote Palestinians. Against the Jews. Um, against the Jews, yeah. Oh. I mean, everything <laughs> in the history of the world, everything comes down to the Jewish nation. Yeah. And, uh, and Let's I'm unite not... against our actual opponent, the People's Liberation Front. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. People's Liberation Front of Judeo. Okay, it's too, too soon for jokes here, not really. Yeah. <laughs> this is going to be yeah. a, a crushing morosity podcast, not mentioned uh, on yeah. the Pan's side podcast. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, 
So it, it, it will be very interesting to see how things line up in the Arab and, and of course, is, uh, Iran is not Arab. Iran is Persian, and that's a big, big difference there. And to say nothing of Indonesia, which is neither Arab nor Persian, but it is Muslim yeah. and the largest Muslim country in the world. So it'll be interesting to see how the Arab nations and Muslims around the world uh, react to this, especially once the ground war starts. Uh, but we've already seen how people have reacted around the world um, to this on, on behalf of Hamas. Mm. Now, I, I can understand people, you know, saying, you know, they're, they're, look, there are innocent, innocent Gazans and Palestinians uh, in the Gaza Strip, uh, and they have died and they will die, and that's unfortunate. Um, Hamas though, started this war. They knew that, that there would be hell to pay. They, they came in, you know, it was a, and, and, and just to kind of set the stage again, it was a, uh, a kind of a peace rave, a music festival near the Gaza Strip, but in Israel that Hamas invaded and slaughtered several hundred people there. Mm -hmm. Then they started going to the towns and villages and the kibbutzes, kibbutzum, I think is the plural, yeah. around there, and wantonly murdering people, murdering babies. I have seen the pictures of the murdered babies now. I have forced myself to look. Uh, yeah, they were just it, shared by the Israeli government. Uh, yeah, and it is horrific. Um, but but going back to, you know, the reaction that we've seen here in America, in, around, around the world, um, amazing to me to see so many people standing in support of Hamas. Not just the Palestinians, but Hamas, yeah. and saying that they had every right to do this. I, I saw one Hamas supporter, I can't remember if she was in the UK or the US, she said, and this is interesting, and this is a, a theme that's going around, she said, when you kick an animal enough times, the animal strikes back. Well, two points. Number one, that is extremely condescending. These people, Hamas and the Palestinians, are not animals. To use that analogy and to say that they've been kicked too many times and they're striking back, is mm. to basically take away their humanity, take away their agency, and say that the only response that they have is Pavlovian, like a dog. So it's mm. condescending. And then, and second, it does take away their agency. They had a choice. They made their choice. Now, the people of Gaza, the Palestinians there, have been under occupation basically, not by the Israelis, but by Hamas since 2006, when they were elected and never had elections after that, they could actually overthrow them. We have seen this in modern history, where an oppressed people have overthrown the government. And, and the case that comes to my mind immediately, because it's so visual, is Romania. Mm. And um, Ceausescu and his wife were literally gunned down by the Romanians. And the security state that supported Ceausescu and his wife obviously turned against them. It is possible to overthrow a corrupt government, and it is possible for the Palestinians to overthrow Hamas. They haven't, for whatever reason. I think that's because they have a very different worldview. Interesting, here's a, here's a quote from a senior Hamas official, Ali Baraka. The Israelis are known to love life. We, on the other hand, sacrifice ourselves. We consider our dead to be martyrs. This is a, a, a worldview from uh, the the Muslim world, not the entire Muslim world, but a large portion of it, that they are, are happy dying in the service of Allah, their God. Not mm. our God, their God. Uh, it is, as the late Christopher Hitchens 
called it Islamofascism, which I love. Uh, you know, again, going back to 9-11, and I think this is bigger than 9-11, to be honest, because I think this is, this, this is, I, I see, I see so many nations and governments preparing to gang up on Israel in words and in deeds and actions. And then just ordinary people around the world, you know, going back to what I was just mentioning there a minute ago about the response that we've seen in the U.S., U.K., and other places, especially elite universities. I'm sure you and our listeners have seen some of these idiot students at uh, Harvard that, that signed a um, yeah. <laughs> signed a, a statement basically condemning Israel for this, putting all the blame on Israel for the murder, the rape, the kidnapping of Hamas putting all the blame on Israel. And of course, now there's backlash, of course, against them because the one of the students that signed that was a leader in one of the movements and had apparently had a, a, um, a job offer from an elite uh, law firm. And of course, that's now been rescinded. <laughs> so this student can now become a diversity officer in the United Nations, perhaps, um, or some other uh, worthless group. OSC director but, in Macedonia. Exactly, yes. Uh, but, the, the, I mean, the response has just been, there is so much Jew hatred out there. It is, I'm even blown away by it. And I'm not surprised by many things, but uh, they, they are just, people hate the Jews. People have always hated the Jews. I mean, the Jews have been the center of history since, well, for 4,000 years, since the the first Jew. Although you can make a, you know, now, now reaching back into biblical history, was Abraham the first Jew or was Jacob, his grandson, the first Jew? Uh, Ooh, or was sure. Isaac, his son, the first Jew? You know, there's it, the patriarchs. There's Abraham, <laughs> his son, Isaac. Isaac, and Isaac is the father of the, you know, the, of Jacob. Jacob's the father of the 12 tribes of, of Israel. But Isaac's brother was Ishmael. Ishmael's mother was Hagar, who was an Egyptian handmaid to Sarah, uh, uh, Abraham's wife. Wait, so, okay. I'm, I'm still writing this down, okay? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I don't really I, know I, this stuff. I, so. I, I do. So uh, I do, because I've been studying it for 50 mm -hmm. years, uh, half a century. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I am older than 50 years. Um, so, but, uh, so anyway, so yeah. So this, is, this has been going on since, since the beginning of the Jewish nation, Jewish people who, um, and I, I don't mean to make this into a theological discussion, but um, it, it, people hate the Jews throughout all of history. Now, with the Nazis, it, they were not Islamo-fascists, but they were fascists. But this is Islamo-fascism, as the late Christopher Hitchens calls it. Mm. And we, we saw it on 9-11. Uh, we see it now. We've seen it in various places around the world uh, in between 9-11 and now. We'll see it in the future. Um, course i don't know if we're gonna be able to get this out today thursday the 12th or it'll go out tomorrow friday the 13th um hamas and and arabs and muslims around the world are calling for basically a day of rage um yeah tomorrow's gonna to be ugly tomorrow's gonna to be bad yeah tomorrow's gonna to be bad um and we'll see but again and i i keep i keep saying again going back to and i'll stick on it this time maybe for a few more minutes um the response i, I saw a meme going around about the U.S. Congress. There's a number of idiots in the U.S. Congress that are part of the Hamas caucus, as they're calling them now. Mm. <laughs> the squad, Ilhan Omar, yeah. uh, who is um, Somali, uh, but uh, Rashida Tlaib, who is Palestinian. And Rashida Tlaib, incredible. She has a flag of Palestine in front of her office. Uh, well, she's and she's then, Palestinian, right? Like, yes, uh, she's Palestinian. 
She has a flag of Palestine in front of us, and then she has an LBGTQWXYZ's Two Spirit flag next to that. Yeah. And it's, I'm, I'm, I'm it's still I'm blown yeah. away by how <laughs> stupid these people are. Yeah, there was she a Babylon B joke this morning that the yeah. uh, uh, Palestinian flag threw the gay flag uh, from the building. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was, I was watching, seeing um, some of the um, uh, George Takai, Mr. Sulu in Star Trek, yeah. of course, who was a big uh, LGBT um, uh, activist. Uh, uh, he made some stupid comment, and then you know, lots of people pushed back against him. I don't know if he was ratioed or not, but mm. I, my favorite pushback against him was a, a stick figure of George Takai being thrown off yeah, the building. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, in Gaza. So, uh, no. It's just kind of amazing how, how, how yeah, stupid that, these people are. That part is really magnificent to watch. That's the only segment where I allowed myself to be a little bit snarky in the comments. Now, because <laughs> you see that uh, the, the leftist coalition includes uh, some very liber liberal uh, Jews from the U.S., and uh, they're shocked, uh, and, you know, people, uh, uh, somebody was dragging the guy from uh, uh, ADL, the Anti-Defamation League, who is now mm -hmm. obviously shocked Jonathan, by, by the, uh, Jonathan fresh out of, yeah, something yeah. like that, yeah. freshly out of the fight with uh, Elon, proving that, you know, the whites are racist, that uh, uh, Elon has allowed Twitter to become a safe harbor for racist anti-Semitic whites. And, you know, again, it shows up that that's the least of his problem, his people's problem, Israel's problem, and that the actual issue is, uh, uh, you know, the, this coalition of ethnic minorities uh, uh, throughout Europe. Uh, it's the Muslim minority through Europe. Uh, in the U.S., it's the uh, black-brown minorities who, you know, surprisingly have a lot, after Kanye especially, he woke us to the issue that they also have a serious issue with anti-Semitism. And the other mm. part of their coalition uh, is the upscale, liberal, usually women uh, uh, professors, you know, academia people, people in uh, high positions of uh, power and authority in, in government, in administration. So, uh, and you know, some, some of them are Jewish and now they're rudely waking up that a lot of their voters, of their coalition partners against the Trumpkins, the right wing, the uh, the white Christian majority in both the U.S. and Europe are actually actively, if if they don't want to kill them, they're actually, you know, pretty uh, indifferent or even happy if if they get killed by somebody. So, <laughs> it's, yeah. uh, this yeah. collapse of the coalition is really magnificent to look at. It, it is, although I think, and especially once the ground war starts, we're going to see more and more idiots around the world in support of Hamas. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course, of course. So, interesting, this just came across the Twitter sphere, sorry, the X-sphere, whatever we're oh. calling it nowadays. Henry Kissinger, I, I know a lot of our listeners absolutely despise Henry Kissinger. Hmm. I, I think he is, you know, whatever you think of him, um, he's been around a long time and he's seen a lot of things that we have not seen. Uh, and so... He, he does have wisdom. But interesting comment he's, he, here. He's commenting about the Arab migrants in Germany yeah. celebrating Hamas. He says, quote, it was a grave mistake to let in so many people of totally different cultures and religions and concepts because it creates a pressure group inside each country that does that. Mm. He's right. You know, you can disagree with the man on many things, but he's right on some things. So, um, yeah, this was fun for me when I was uh, during the Colored Revolution, went to Budapest uh, throughout uh, the Balkans 
we're recording commentators on, on Soros, on Soros's network in the Balkans. And we were being, everybody who would criticize Soros were accused of uh, anti-Semitism, even though my first exposure to actual mainstream anti-Semitism in my life in reputable print media were actually journalists either closely or loosely affiliated with Soros uh, during the Iraq war. When you remember when they, there was a, uh, there were mass attacks against the, the Jews who would be uh, in the neocon movement who would support the Iraq war. And mm -hmm. uh, I remember like you, you could easily read this in, uh, in uh, I can't at the moment quote from, I have to look up examples, but you know, the New York Times, the Washington Post, you could easily see examples of people overemphasizing names like Wolfowitz, Elliot Abrams, you know, yeah, Bill Crystal, yeah. all the all the neocon Jews. So, you right. know, Soros was very active in spreading anti-Semitism, but against the right-wing Jews uh, at the time. Now, many of them are left-wing, so, you know, <laughs> do with that what you may, or, yeah. or their supporters now are left-wing. Um, but I remember we went to Budapest, we would record the commentators, and we, we, we uh, went to the place where uh, the government, the Orban's government had built a monument to this short period when Hungary was, uh, uh, went from, uh, you know, tried to break with the Germans and then mm -hmm. was quickly occupied by the Germans. And this is when actually, I believe most of the Holocaust in Hungary occurred and they had a monument and then the Jewish community in Budapest uh, and the liberals, you know, the uh, Central European mm -hmm. University types, they were all up in arms against the monument. They accused Hungary of uh, diminishing its role in the Holocaust. So they would put like mm -hmm. shoes, like uh, memorabilia from, is that okay word? I guess artifacts from the Holocaust, um, you know, kids toys around the monument right. to uh, to accuse Orban of anti-Semitism. And there, was, there were several guys who would protest there all the time. And I spoke to one of them and this was at the height of the uh, migrant wave. And he said, I'm from the Jewish community, you know, Orban is uh, horrible, we have to do something about him. Uh, and then in the end, uh, unfortunately, I didn't catch this on camera, we stopped rolling and I said, okay, but what's your feeling about the migrants now? You know, Orban is trying to stop them. And if he doesn't, you know, if they establish themselves more in uh, Budapest, you know who they come knocking for at one point sooner or later. And, you know, he sighed and he said, well, you know, I'm liberal in all regards, including this one. But I have to tell you, a lot of the Jews in uh, Budapest uh, break with me on this issue and they like Orban because of the border wall. <laughs> this was a very interesting, uh, one of yeah. the more interesting interviews I had in my life. Yes, yes. Well, let's, uh, you know, let's let's kind of pivot now to Macedonia because... Macedonia has a small Jewish community. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's important to remember that most of the Jews in Macedonia were sent to death camps in the Holocaust by the yeah. Bulgarian fascist occupiers. Uh, now, Bulgaria, of course, this is one of the, one of the, one of the big issues between that Bulgaria has with Macedonia is they hate being called fascist or occupiers or having anything to do with killing the Jews of Macedonia. Um, but there is a, there is a small Jewish community there's a synagogue well, they there saved their um, Jews because of the outcry of the deportations from Macedonia and the uh, Aegean Macedonia so the mm -hmm. Jewish community and you know 
honorable people in Bulgaria got together and stopped the deportations from Bulgaria proper. But yeah, they are, it's, that's why it's an issue Bulgarians have been accustomed to, to say that they, you know, to, to, right. to learn in schools that they saved their community. But on the other hand, this part, I don't know how well it was represented to, in their schools yeah. to this point. And, and, and one, one thing I've always loved about Macedonia, and this occurred under the previous government, is that there is a Holocaust museum and a museum mm. to the victims of communism less than 100 meters apart yeah. in Skopje. Uh, not, too many capi- not too many capital cities have that. Um, and we said what... Gunther visiting the museum and, and <laughs> crapping all over uh, the Jewish partisans. Wow. Did you catch that? No, I didn't. I missed that. When was that? Oh, yeah. He was, he was at the, uh, the museum and he was saying how we are overemphasizing the communists' role, the partisans' role in liberating the country. And some guys uh, were, uh, some historians actually, reputable people were commenting, oh, look, Ginter went to the Museum of Macedonian Struggle. He is trying to do some history revisionism. But actually, Somebody told me, and I looked it up, it actually, it actually turned out to be true. He was not in the museum, in the anti-communism museum. He was in the museum of uh, the Holocaust. And uh, the he was, obviously, he, he took a selfie in front of a picture of partisans, and he was dunking on them, like their, uh, their struggle was no big deal. But then, actually, it was the, the, the Jews who fled, uh, you know, from the arrest, from the internment, and uh, joined the partisans, obviously, near Bitola, and they were part of a, a partisan unit. And this was depicted in the in the Holocaust Museum. <laughs> and wow. we had Ginter, our Austrian friend, <laughs> dunking on, on Jewish partisans. Wow, wow. Yeah, he's Gunther Fellinger, I think is his name, yeah. that we've talked about before in previous podcasts. This is he's glorious. a bit of a gadfly. Um, what, what has been the reaction uh, this past week in, in Macedonia? Very, very reserved, very quiet. I didn't see much, almost anything from the Albanians, hmm. honestly. Um, we saw the Albanians in the, obviously they're sensing that the sensibility, the public sensibility will be turning against the Muslims after these horrific massacres and uh, Albanians are Sunni Muslims. So uh, Albanian Kosovo, the prime ministers immediately condemned the uh, this there were some. I think it was a fake, photoshopped uh, picture that uh, Albanians in Skopje uh, posted uh, Palestinian flags on an overpass uh, in Chair, where the Bulgarian fans were stabbed like a few months ago. Remember that oh. incident? Yeah. Um, I drove by there. They were not there. I guess photoshopped. Um, We'll see tomorrow. Tomorrow is Friday, yeah. the mosque, the prayers, and yeah. uh, we'll see what if there will be some reaction or if they'll try to play it safe and play it cool. Obviously, the population, the public, is more sympathetic with the Palestinians, uh, but the political elite, the media, everybody is, uh, knows that their lives at this point, obviously, their political fortune and this unprecedented level of power and influence in the region that the Albanians have accumulated uh, depends on the remaining in the U.S. good graces. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they would not uh, do anything to provoke, to, to, to remind anybody that they are Muslims. Uh, so there is this, we sense, discrepancy between the Albanian elite and the Albanian population. But yeah, we'll, we'll see tomorrow.
Yeah. I mean, in, in terms of the political parties, um, I think Bessa is the only one that is, yeah. correct me if I'm Political wrong, is openly Islamist yeah. um, and aligned with Erdogan of Turkey. Yeah, but um, also opportunist, honestly. So, Sorry? Uh, but also opportunist. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah of course. Yeah. Uh, so, um, interesting. Okay, and, and of course, Ali Ahmeti is not, I don't even know what Ali Ahmeti is. I, I don't know if he's a, yeah, is, yeah. He's a he's an atheist or a Muslim in name only or Ruby and people like that. So, but Ali Ahmedi is, of course, a terrorist. Um, I, I find it interesting, kind of going back to the reaction. You know, some of the uh, Hamas supporters are, are saying that because well, Israel has cut off water, electricity, and fuel to Gaza, mm. uh, and, and people are saying that's a war crime. Uh, no, it is not a war crime. It is. Um, it's a legitimate. It's, it's necessary and it's a legitimate tactic in war where a terrorist state, and Hamas is recognized as a terrorist organization, where a terrorist organization attacks a legitimate state, and Israel is a legitimate state, and it is a tactic used to soften them up to prepare you know, for the, the wider, um, the wider uh, uh, ground offensive. Uh, mm. And... The so-called NLA in 2001, one of the so-called commanders cut off water in Lipkovol, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, uh, which was a uh, terrorist attack. Lipkovo, uh, they cut the water to Kumanova, they conquered oh, Kumanovo. the Lipkovo right. yeah. Reservoir. And, Res uh, you right, know, the a reservoir. city of 100,000 yeah. was left yeah. without, without water, water in the peak summer yeah. as a siege tactic, practically. Yeah. Well, and, and, and again, you know, this is something that we've talked about before, I've written about, etc., and we'll talk about it again, I'm sure, is that Ali Khmeti and the war criminals, part of the NLA, were never prosecuted for their war crimes. I mean, yeah. they didn't just commit murder, they committed and, and wound people. They, they were responsible for kidnapping, sexual abuse, mutilation of bodies, torture, and of course, they have been responsible for, in the funding of their organization, trafficking in women, girls, drugs, arms, all of these things. And they've never mm. been held accountable for it. And, you know, they, they will be accountable one day, if not in this life, then the next. But... And in instances when, you know, they would carry out actual Islamist attacks on Macedonians, such as mm -hmm. the 2012 Good Friday Massacre of four yeah. children and one adult. Uh, we had uh, our left-wing media, we had obviously the Albanian media, and we had you know, US government-funded media outlets uh, out there accusing us of planting a false flag, carrying out a false flag operation. Uh, and to this day, two of the three killers, uh, uh, Albanian Islamists, uh, one, one is in prison, two of them are free in Kosovo, they get mm. periodically arrested by Kosovo police for uh, other violations, like one had a traffic accident. And mm. this is how we learn about this, that he was arrested and it goes to court. The court uh, uh, re-examines the Macedonian deportation, you know, extradition warrant and just throws it out after a while. So these guys have lived for 10 years in Kosovo without any problems falling on their head. And, you know, we had... Uh, I mean, this is going to be, become important. It's already showing up with regard to Israel, and it will continue to show up uh, 
as the operation progresses, we had a similar approach from our left, uh, Albanians and the US uh, media and, uh, you know, uh, propagandists here in the country. Uh, also over the 2015 um, attack on Kumanovo, which was again blamed on the Macedonian government that we carried out a false flag operation because at the moment Grievski was facing a colored revolution funded, provoked by the US and the left and the Albanians. Um, so yeah, we'll, I guess we'll be seeing something like this in Israel, which was also facing a colored revolution against Netanyahu, also supported by the US government. And uh, yeah, this was the second instance where I got a little snarky on the social media when some of the left-wing colored revolution types in Macedonia were, uh, they, they're confused where to go, we are confused. I mean, nobody is uh, sure how enthusiastic to be about, you know, turning Gaza into a parking lot or, you know, uh, maybe counter-accusing the Israelis of false flag operations or something like that. So people are, you know, the usual propaganda machines mm -hmm. and bot, bot networks are not, do not have clear marching orders at this moment, but some of the leftists would say, you know, would support strong Israel, they killed, they burned babies, uh, Hamas needs to be destroyed, and these were the same types who were when it happened in, literally in their own country, when children were killed, you know, youngsters, people, with, teenagers were killed uh, by Islamists, they came up with crazy conspiracy theories against the government, only to get the Albanian votes. And we actually had a prime minister and their leader at the time uh, who actually accused the government of this and promised that he will reveal evidence that the attack was staged, the 2012 Good Friday massacre, and then he never did, and eventually acknowledged that he has no evidence. So there is also going to be a lot of uh, of this uh, down the pipeline in uh, in Israel, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. That well, and not only that, but the uh, when the Albanians blew up some of the monasteries in um, I can't mm. remember the name which monastery it was. Uh, Matic, Matic yeah. and Lishok. Uh, Matic yeah. was desecrated. They would carve images uh, and use the magic marker on the frescoes. And uh, Lishok was blown up. Right. Again, Islamofascism, as the late Christopher mm. Hitchens called it. That's what this is. That's what it is. And it is, it is growing, uh, you know, around the world. And, uh, you know, these next, next few days or weeks, I don't know when the ground war is going to start. I think it's going to start soon. They're, they've mm. got to prepare for it. It's going to be ugly. But that's going to, yeah, the reaction is just going to be, it's, again, this is bigger than 9-11. And the world has changed, and will it won't it won't be the same after this. So, but back on Macedonia. So we, we talked a little bit about some of the reaction, kind of muted. Uh, we'll see how that changes in the coming days. Um, some other news from Macedonia. So why don't you you mentioned um, Gordana? Yeah, we have a Macedonian news podcast here, <laughs> and. Uh... Uh, yeah, everything pales, obviously, in comparison yeah. to opening a second front in the World War Three that we're having. But uh, uh, so the big news here is that uh, so is this at this point is now openly rooting for Grievski, hoping that he will 
actively working to maybe even bring him back in the country or at least provoke him into going into confrontation with Vimera. Again, we discussed last episode, the, the law that was passed that might help him a little bit, might help other people around him. Uh, whether he was involved into this or not, this is hotly debated. Uh, but even if he wasn't, the government is making sure to make to leave an appearance that he is, that he is in cahoots with them, and that uh, there was a poll recently. There were two polls, one uh, commissioned by uh, the Macadanius site, which is you know kind of middle of the road, um, showing Vimera demolishing SDSM in the elections. And then immediately on the same day, in a coordinated, you know, counter poll uh, prepared by an agency which was receiving funding from the government. So it's pro-government, pro-SDSM. Uh, and they had two separate lists for Vimera. So they had uh, Vimera Christian Mitskovsky and Vimera Nikola Gruevsky, a Gruevsky list. Yeah. Uh, hypothetically, Gruevsky has not said that he's setting up a party. Uh, Skopje mayor Daniela Arsovska said that she will set up a party and Grevsky is accused of secretly supporting her. He has, uh, he has not openly endorsed it. But, you know, the, the poll shows that Vimera split in half and this shows SDSM winning. So um, this is the game played by the government now, which is very ironic considering all the persecution and... Um, attempts to arrest, or worse, uh, Nicola, that they're now hoping, uh, they literally had billboards during past elections. If you don't vote for the referendum or if you don't vote for SDSM, Gruevsky will return to the country. And now they're openly hoping that he will actually return to the country and will uh, be in a fight with uh, Mitskovsky, not turn on them. Um, but there is some good news uh, somewhat linked to these developments that uh, uh, former Interior Minister Gordana Jankulovska uh, will be released from prison in a uh, couple of weeks. Uh, mm. She has been in prison for almost three years uh, mm. on a ridiculous charge of corruption after she, the ministry purchased uh, an armored vehicle, which obviously we need to have for transportation of High visiting dignitaries, the money were not stolen. They bought a Mercedes, which is, you know, the customary brand you buy here. There is not much competition. You can't, I don't know, buy a, a Volga for this purpose. Um, but yeah, she was put in prison for this shortly after she gave birth to her baby boy and uh, mm. was kept in prison for three years as deterrence, as literally a political victim. Uh, recently, she was allowed... Uh, some time off, and she met with Mitskovsky, and she had an interview with a U.S. government-funded media outlet. So we were looking into this closely to see that is she picking a side? Is she going to I don't know, turn on Grevsky or, or or on Mitskovsky, using her position as a, you know, a high-level political prisoner in this country, which even people on the left say you know, this is ridiculous that we are keeping her in prison. Well, all other promises of rule of law and, you know, uh, truth and reconciliation are collapsing around us. Um, but she didn't really say much. She was reserved in her comments. A little, obviously, snarky on Gruevsky, who, you know, fled the country and with this obviously made things 
uh, worse for her, worse for other people who were uh, who faced a similar level mm. of political persecution. Uh, but yeah, she will be released. So this would leave us with uh, still a lot of other political prisoners uh, arrested. Milena Kievsky has since been put in prison mm. uh, after spending years in house arrest. Obviously, there is Yana Chint and uh, dozen other political prisoners with the incident in the parliament, which at the moment left-wing people are openly negotiating, not with them, but, you know, with the offering them as uh, uh, pawns in, in if Vimera votes for the amendments with Bulgaria in this, in a horrific violation of human rights and any decency, uh, you know, literally holding people hostages. Yeah. I even compared them to the Nordonian Hamas. I couldn't even call them Macedonian version of Hamas. These people, yeah. they, are not, they don't deserve to be called Macedonians the left-wing supporters in Macedonia who are holding decent people prisoners, used, used them once to change the constitution with regard to Greece and now uh, with regard to Bulgaria. So, uh, yeah, this is where we stand. We have uh, actual polls showing ASDSM demolished and uh, ASDSM trying to counteract this by, act by hyping Gryevsky up and uh, hoping that he will turn on Mitskovsky. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. Could be wrong, but I don't think it's going to happen. Mm. Um, I hope that Volmer well, is trying to reduce the level of confrontation with Gryevsky. Now, they, they stopped uh, calling him out, even though they started it. I mean, Mitskovsky started this. Now he stopped calling him out. Gryevsky has also stopped uh, initiating, you know, he's not initiating comments on his part. So it's kind of quieting down this confrontation. Good. I mean, yeah, there's there's always going to be disagreements within the within the family, uh, whether it's Vomero there or the Republican Party here. We want to keep those disagreements and, you know, mm. behind the scenes. Every family has disagreements. Let's let's keep those quiet and try and work those out because we, we don't need to be divided in the face of of uh, in, in Macedonia's case, the. Uh, the the communist the, the the former or current communists of Sidasa and the f former or current communist slash terrorists of Dewey. Um, mm. Speaking of which, then that leads us maybe we can wrap up here with the last thing, just a brief touch on the elections. Uh, there's, I know Miskowski keeps calling for early elections, and at some at some point it's going to be too late for yeah, early elections. <laughs> so there's there's. We have parliamentary and presidential elections next year at some point. Um, Vomero wants them together. Uh, the various, the government wants them apart. Um, Atala Jaferi, who himself is actually a terrorist, he, dereliction of duty, left yeah. the Macedonian army in 2001 and went to fight, quote-unquote, fight for the so-called NLA. He's a terrorist. Uh, so he said, yes, we can have, the only time we can have elections together happens to be on Orthodox Easter Sunday. I think he's, mm. I think he's doing that as a, as an, on purpose. I think he's saying that because he knows that Macedonians don't want to yeah. have elections on Easter Sunday. Uh, and he's doing it because he's a total bastard. Um, but what are, what are the options now for um, elections? Yeah, he came out. I mean, this is going to be another thing to look at uh, other than trying to divide Vimera. There will, there will be different tactics to discourage voters. Uh, one is to 
declare all the passports and identity cards invalid if they don't have the name uh, North Macedonia on them hmm. uh, right just before the elections. Wow. And there are huge lines in Skopje where people can't uh, register to have new documents issued. It's also a substantial financial expense for many. And there is talk that the government will try to prioritize their people, that they will be able to get a date for the, you know, taking a, having a picture taken and issuing the documents, while uh, denying this to known Vemera supporters, so that people will not be able... In this country, we actually need to show ID to vote. I mean, I know it's a strange concept to you as an American, but we try to identify the people <laughs> who vote that they're actual citizens. Uh, last election we had uh, Corona was used to discourage turnout. And now a new idea, as you said, is uh, Jafiri coming out and saying, well, we can't possibly coordinate the elections uh, at the same time, you know, the presidential and the general elections. Uh, uh, it, we could only possibly do this on Easter. So this, this in their mind, would also help. Uh, reduce uh, turnout from uh, pro-opposition voters. So there's going to be a lot of this type of tricks yeah. in the coming period. Lovely. Uh, well, <laughs> maybe. Well, we may not get to that point, Svetin. There may not be an election there or here or anywhere else. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If things go really, really bad. Um, but uh, but we'll see. And uh, we may be busy driving refugees to Germany <laughs> as fast as we can. Exactly. So. From the Middle East. Yeah. All right. Well, let's do this. Uh, I've got to get out of here and get to a client event. Um, mm. Get this up as quickly as we can, and uh, we, we may we, we may be having a podcast another podcast sooner rather than later, depending on how events go in Israel and the Middle East, and for that matter, around the world. So, and possibly a third front in the Balkans, which is always opportunity. We were actually close to this with Serbia, Kosovo. That's true, yeah. A few true. weeks yeah. ago. All right, we'll keep following it. Good catching up with you, Sven. Yeah, yeah you too, buddy. Take care. You too.